Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. presented by SB Nation. We are the voice of Patriot Nation. I am Pat Lane. With me, as always, is Ryan Spagnoli. Spags, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, probably a lot better than you after that crap shoot down in Nashville <laughs> that you had to witness, but looked like you had a good weekend from our, you know, our interactions. You had some fun, so that's always a plus getting with the guys and stuff, so I'm happy you, you made it down there. Definitely on my bucket list for sure. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good time. I'll tell you what, man. I had had some had some solid barbecue down there, and I was telling people, I'm like, you know, I had a great weekend except for three hours on Sunday. Beyond that, it was great. So that's awesome. There you um, go. So it was good. We, we had a good time. So just a uh, we are going to get into. We have a good episode today. We got Chad Finn coming on the show. Uh, he's a sports media columnist for Boston Globe. Um, so we got talk a few different things about him. Or a few uh, talk about a few different things with him, I should say. Um, I did want to just give a quick programming note to you guys listening. We're going to be dropping our podcast every Friday, so this obviously came out on a Friday, so you can expect our show every Friday. So that'll come out, you know, every week on Friday. So just so you know, we got a hell of a show coming up next week too. So uh, a little day after Thanksgiving Day, you know, you'd be recovering. Wake up from your food coma, you know. Should we announce it, Pat? Should we tell them who's coming on? Or are we going to keep it a uh, keep it a little well, secret? Let's keep it. Let's keep it a little secret. Right. But I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. You'll be interested to see to I'm see pumped. who it is. It'll be uh, you know take a take a look uh, take a look on Twitter at some point this week, and you'll be like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. So so that should be a lot of fun. But as I said, we have a great uh, great show today, and we have an interview with Chad Finn. So let's get right into that interview. All right, so we're going to welcome onto the show Chad Finn. He is a media uh, journalist for the Boston Globe. And uh, welcome on, Chad. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, you know, we, we, you know we cover, you cover all sports, and uh, including the media as well. And obviously we're a Patriots podcast. This, that game was just so terrible that we don't even want to talk to you about it because it was just so bad. There's just nothing to talk about, nothing to break down. Um, and move so on, instead, right? Right into the bye week. Actually. We're just gonna move on. Just that's it, you know. Pretend like it never happened and try to wash it away over the bye week. Um, but interestingly enough, and good for us, luckily for us, you wrote a really interesting article this week, and so I figure we'll talk about that instead. Um, and so you wrote an article with a question about the rival from another team that you'd mm-hmm. like to have on your team the most. So if you kind of set up the the question and kind of some ideas, and we'll kind of bounce some ideas back and forth. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, we do a, one of my jobs for the Globe and for Boston.com. Uh, this is specific to Boston.com is to do a question of the day, 
usually comes from a, a reader or, um, you know, uh, somebody on Twitter or something like that. This one actually came from Twitter. And it's uh, it's a question I like because you get so many different reactions from people uh, across not just the Patriots, but across all Boston sports. And so, you know, you see uh, you see people saying Derek Jeter, which is absolutely ridiculous. He's someone Red Sox fans should always hate. Uh, you should see, <laughs> see Mariano Rivera, who is about as gracious as it got uh, in terms of being an opponent and all class. And, uh, you know, some Canadians, guys, some Bruins fans. You know, Magic Johnson popped up a lot from the Celtics fans. But uh, the Patriots angle of it is really interesting because it was the Patriots' rival. You know, uh, I, I don't know if they th- this has gone on. This level of uh, unprecedented success with, with this franchise has gone on so long. They've kind of come and gone through rivalries. It's, uh, the, the other end of it hasn't been able to keep up the bargain. So it's kind of interesting to hear from the Patriots fans who um, who can not only who they would love to have on their roster, but who they actually considered a rival. So I'm curious what you guys thought in terms of who that player would be and what roster you'd pluck it from. Yeah, I go mean, ahead. Well, uh, yeah, Pat, you well, go first. And first thing, measures. first thing for me, you know, if we're going any sport, I think the easiest question, the easiest answer is Magic, and it's a, it's a no doubt, absolute no brainer, because number yeah. one, he was the, he was one of the best players to ever play, but number two, he was the best player on your rival, the team that yeah. beat you in the championship twice. So it's like, well, you automatically win four championships if he's on your team as opposed to not on your team. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, you win four right there anyways because you're going to win two more because he wasn't there to beat you. Yeah, And then you, yeah. they'd win every year. I mean, it would have been like the 60s Celtics if, if Magic and Bird and McHale and Paris were playing together. It would have been ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, yeah, that's the, the way of, he played fits with anybody in basketball history too, you know, the, the unselfishness right. in the passing way. I think we all would have loved to see Magic and Bird uh, – on the same team in an all-star game or something like that, uh, just to see how they would play off each other. So, yeah, that's the ultimate one to me too, across at least all Boston sports. Right. For for me, I'd have to go, like, I'll do the same as you, Pat, you know, a Boston sports, I guess I'll stick to basketball. As much as I don't like his antics on the court, I'd have to say LeBron James. I'm not a fan of his. I just think he's an unbelievable basketball player. I mean, love him or hate him. He's arguably the, greatest player of all time you know um i obviously wasn't alive for the jordan era uh at least for my generation lebron i mean and it, you see how dominant he is he's taken crappy team after crappy team to to the finals won a, won a championship <laughs> right. i know he had Kyrie, but you know what i'm saying he's just been so dominant by himself it's such a superstar driven league too so i'd have to say lebron and for the patriots i i mean <clears throat> i guess you can call them our rivals just because sour taste from the two super bowl losses but i'd have to go with odell um, I think he can be a clown sometimes off the field, you know, the dancing and stuff. I don't know how much that would go on if he was here, but we talked about it off air. He shows up on game day and, and plays and puts up pretty good numbers for a washed up quarterback, Eli Manning, who somehow can't <laughs> can't fit a ball into a in, in, in a 10 foot radius right now. So I think his talent's getting drained over there. I would love for him to to be a Patriot maybe someday. Who knows? Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Uh, I you know I know how dynamic he is, and like you said, he does show up on Sundays and, and puts up the numbers for whatever you know ridiculousness and uh, marrying the goalposts or marrying the kicking net or whatever yeah, the heck that yeah. was back then. But I'm curious how he would work with Brady you know, just yeah. in terms of being a root runner and that sort of thing. But 
as we've seen with Brady and Josh Gordon, when you uh, when you have a supremely talented receiver, Brady's going to try to get him the ball, even if he isn't necessarily in the right spot all the time or still learning the playbook. So, yeah, Odell would be a pretty dynamic one. Uh, you know, defensively, uh, I, I, I feel like if Bill Belichick were making this choice, it would be a defensive guy. And I, I don't know how you take one from a rival. You know, the Ravens are kind of a rival for a while, but there's no way I would want Ray Lewis. Just feels no. like a total phony to me. Um, probably Ed Reed would be Belichick's first choice through history. But right now, I think you'd have to say, uh, you'd have to say maybe like Aaron Donald. You, you call the Rams a rival because you played them in the Super Bowl once. You know, you stretch it right. to that degree and you take a defensive player like that. Some people who responded to me said Von Miller. Uh, he's a little bit too too much of a kind of look at me type of guy, as great as he is for, for, for me to want him. But uh, I feel like it would be a defensive player. I just don't know who that is right now at this point in time. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough situation because you're right. Like, who is it that you would kind of go after? Now, one guy, you want to say defensive player on arrival, maybe Jamal Adams plays safety for the Jets right now. That's a good if you're one. talking about yeah. current, uh, you know, he's a solid player. And again, he plays for one of their rivals. I think it's funny. So Spags mentioned LeBron and and it's almost like LeBron is a rival with Boston teams, right? So it's not like. We don't even have like a like a rival team. We have like a rival player, right? And that was the same way with Manning for a long time, you know, with the with the Patriots, where it was like we were rival with the Colts because Manning was there. Well, now Manning's gone. It's like the Colts aren't a rival anymore. It's like, man, right. they're the Colts, you know? And then Manning went to Denver, and all of a sudden we were rivals with Denver because he's in Denver. So it was, you know, so that's kind of an interesting spot there. I always thought, I feel like for me – you'd have to look probably towards the Steelers because the Steelers, I think would be the biggest mm-hmm. rival for the Patriots outside of the AFC East. Um, and I, I mean, I think defensively, like you said, I mean, I think Palomalu is a guy that, you know, played such an interesting style of, of play and could do so many different things well and was such a good tackler and was such a smart football player that I think, you know, Belichick would have loved to have him in the system. And I think him and Ed Reed are kind of, fall into that same category where you're like, you know, what Belichick would have done with that guy, you know, in the back of his defense. Uh, it would have been a lot of fun to watch. So, um, I, you know, defensively, I'd say, yeah, maybe, you know, it's got to be a safety there. I mean, you know, low linebackers are great, but like, you know, I think a safety is really kind of where he'd be looking. So, um, yeah, you know, I'd say one of the, one of those guys. You know, it's an interesting one. It's, it's not current times, but, I think they kind of qualify as a rival, even though it's the old, you know, hammer and nail cliche. Um, but uh, and he ended up playing here is Darrell Rivas, taking him in his heyday as right. a lockdown corner. Somebody, you know, is pretty good at matching up with Randy Moss. Moss got him famously once, where Rivas came up limping with the, the hamstring injury. But uh, was phantom, a tremendous player hamstring. for a long time. Yeah, that uh, he might be one. I, you know, maybe there's a Pittsburgh linebacker or somebody like that through the last few years, but. Uh, you know, like we were saying, that uh, they've gone through so many rivals. I mean, just look at the look at the Super Bowls, the, the Falcons and the Seahawks, and uh, uh, you know, playing losing to Philadelphia this last time around. It feels like there have been three or four different cycles of coaches and quarterbacks for every team in the league while this dynasty has lasted for the for the Patriots. And so, it's uh, it's really tough for them to say they have one specific rival. You know, one guy though. Still in the league, but not where he uh, used to be, who came up a lot of times, and this is Richard Sherman. I think Patriots fans uh, 
really grew to respect him through the years, even though, you know, he did the you mad bro thing the first time they they dealt with the Seahawks. And, you know, he was gloating in the Super Bowl right up until the moment he wasn't. Uh, But I think uh, Sherman at his peak was somebody that really appealed to Patriots fans because, yeah, he was outspoken and brash, but he was also a really bright and talented player. Yeah, I do like his swagger a lot. I mean, he's a he's definitely a guy. Hey, he backed that, it up. He did. He absolutely did. And that's that's I think the biggest thing is that you know you can talk all you want, but at the end of the day, if you can't back it up with your play, then forget about it. You know, you're you know the safety from uh, from Pittsburgh. Who, I forget who was it. I don't think it was Ryan Clark. Safety from Pittsburgh that was talking junk to to Brady, and Brady throws five touchdowns over his head. You know, it's like Anthony or Smith, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Freddie Mitchell, who's talking trash before the Super Bowl, and they shut him down. It's like you know, it's just if you can back it up, then people respect you. If you can't, then people are like this guy's a clown. So, um, I think that that's you know Sherman's a good one too. Again, it's like it's the rival situation. I mean, Colin Coward. You know, you're talking about how long it's lasted. Colin Coward was saying, Ladainian Thomas was drafted in 2001, the year the Patriots right. won the Super Bowl. He right. played a Hall of Fame career. He retired. He waited the five years until he got into the Hall of Fame. He was elected into the Hall of Fame, and the Patriots are still on the same run. And it's like yeah. it's unbelievable to think that it's been going on for that long. And it's really kind of, you know, it's really amazing. And I'd say the one thing more amazing than that is the Vinatieri thing. I just think Adam Vinatieri to me is that guy that I'm just like, oh, my God. Like Vinatieri is just – He's unreal. He's he's timeless, and he's still he's still the one of the best kickers in the league. And I don't know how he does it. Yeah, but I mean, geez, he was drafted ninety six for God's sakes, and he's still going twenty two yeah. years later. And it's just like it, it's you know, and he hasn't. I mean, he's not kicking off, and he hasn't been kicking off for a long time. But he's still got it. I mean, he's he's still hitting fifty yard field goals. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's it's phenomenal too. It's so strange that he spent with the Colts longer than he was with the Patriots because. You know, with the Pats, I mean, he hit, what, three of the – well, put it this way, his second Super Bowl winning kick, the one that beat the Panthers, is probably the fourth biggest kick of his career. You know, after the two in the snowball and the one that won the, the Rams Super Bowl. And then right. uh, those kicks are probably three of the biggest four in NFL history, three of the biggest five. You know, he had Jim O'Brien winning the Super Bowl for the Colts over the Cowboys that year. But uh, – you know, not, nothing really has come close to the magnitude of the ones Adam made. And, and uh, you know, remember him tackling Herschel Walker. It feels like Herschel yeah. Walker played 50 years yeah. ago. So yeah. uh, he better get into the Hall of Fame immediately. They they, they can't mess around. And I, I know how reluctant they've been to put kickers in, but uh, Adam should be in no doubt or without any debate. Well, I mean, that's – and like you – and you, you touched on it perfectly. I mean, he's the first bad Hall of Famer in my opinion. And, and you look at it and just say, okay – He's got all the records. He's played for as many years as everyone else. He's got all the records. He's the number one points, blah, 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 all this other stuff. But, like, the snowball kick is the greatest kick in the history of the NFL, and it's not close. Nothing even comes close to that kick. The time It's the one? greatest kick I've ever seen, the time, the, where he tied it. It was just yeah. – I was at that game, and I was, I was sitting in the opposite end zone. So I've had season tickets since like 2000, as a matter of fact. It was when I got my ticket. Um, my dad's had tickets since 67. But anyways, um, so I was there, but I was in the opposite end zone. So I was in the, the game-winning end zone, but I'm in the, I couldn't see it. He kicked it and, it, and it looked low, and I was like, oh, no. But I never saw it. It was that, it was that snowy out. And I yeah. just looked down and saw the refs like, 
I'll never forget. And I was still to this day, I still say like the refs looked at each other like, holy crap, he hit that? And then put their <laughs> hands up. And, you know, it was just one of those things. They shared that moment like, wow, that, that just happened. Huh? And it was just yeah. it was the biggest kick. It's the best kick I've ever seen. And it's not close. And and again, he does it again in the Super Bowl. And he then he, you know, wins the game in in overtime against the Raiders and then kicks the game game winner against uh against Carolina in Super Bowl and you're just like it's just again and again and again and, again. and then even the Colts was it the divisional game that year in 06 where they kicked like the final score was like 15 to 7 or something like that and he kicked five field goals and they won the game right just yep. with field goals and so it's like you know they won because of him like that's what happens like he goes to a team and they win a championship I mean, it, he's he's unbelievable. Yeah, smartest so, thing he ever but, did too is go indoors. You know, getting out of Foxborough and uh, getting to the controlled environment eight games a year there with the Colts and going with a great team right away too. So he still had right. more opportunities to hit memorable kicks. But uh, yeah, Adam is a uh, is an all timer by any measure, and uh, hopefully he keeps going here for a couple more years. I love seeing a guy who's just a couple years younger than me out there still. Still banging around because uh, I, I look a lot older than he does. Chad, not to yeah. get off topic, segue into a little uh, Patriots talk here. Um, it kind of an interesting thing I kind of noticed in the in the weeks past. The offense is not up to scheme. Um, it's slow. It, they're not moving the ball as quickly as they like to as they have in the past. And I think part of that is no Gronk. Um, but you know, an interesting thing is Brady and Bill used to meet, I believe, Tuesdays or, or Monday nights and kind of go over the playbook and their, their game plan for the week. And I could imagine, I, I'd wonder if they're even doing that anymore. Um, after the offseason and kind of what spiraled last year, which was so uncharacteristic as we've seen, there's got to be some tension there. And I think it's kind of, you know, showing a little bit on the field. I, I'd like to get your guys' take on that because I, I think it, it is. I mean, I'll let you guys go and then I'll kind of get my take off yours. Yeah, and you know it could be. Um, I, I tend to think uh, this would be a, a much bigger issue if Josh McDaniels had taken the Colts job, though. Having Josh here is kind of the, and has been for a while, is the uh, you know the the, the go between between Bill and and Tom, uh, whatever Tom and Bill's relationship is. And certainly the goal is still the same for both of them to win Super Bowls and uh, to, to enhance their own legacies. Even though they would never say that, they know both know their place in history. Uh, if their personal relationship has fractures or cracks in it, uh, that's not going to stop them from from striving as much as they can to to, to win this thing, to win a six one. Uh, but Josh is there as sort of the middleman, as the guy who Brady's always bounced stuff off, or works closest with Brady, who uh, thinks like Brady, devises a game plan, all of those things. So I think it was probably a little bit underrated the fact that they kept Josh uh, and uh, he stuck around. And, you know, that's the full story we don't really know is, is how the how that all came about and uh, how much influence Bill had on that compared to how much influence Brady and the Crafts had on that. But it's ultimately a good thing for this team. I think the, the real issue with the offense is they've kind of had – they have a ton of talent, but they've kind of had to piece it together from week to week. You know, Gronk hasn't been out there the last few weeks. Michelle had to deal with his knee injury. Uh, Edelman was working his way back from playing for the first time in a year and then coming off the suspension. Josh Gordon comes in seven games ago and uh, tries to acclimate himself. You know, Chris Hogan's trying to figure out what his role is. And so it seems like it's a, it's a slightly altered task 
that they take out there every week. And I think the ultimate goal here, and probably why he's seen to go out and get a few games off, uh, other than that he's pretty beat up, is that they want to have this thing running at all cylinders as they get in December and January and having Josh Gordon as acclimated as possible and Gronk as healthy as possible. And obviously keeping James White upright is as important as he is. And, you know, making sure Brady starts spreading the ball around a little bit more, those sorts of things. So I think it's still, there's still a lot of reason for encouragement, even though this past game was as frustrating as it can get during the regular season. And, you know, Brady being 41 years old, anytime he has a mediocre game, there's going to be questions about whether he's slipping. But uh, I think if you if you look a little bit ahead, look at the big picture, you, you see Brady and Belichick on the same page in terms of what the team goal is during the season, and you see the cast that Brady has around him and say, you know what, if they keep all these guys on the field, they're going to be pretty good when they need to be. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a good point. And realistically, he, here's the thing for me, right? Belichick's got – he's got to run the whole team. Right, and the whole team's got to buy in. And the, the big thing about the Patriots is that they play, you know, unselfishly. They play as if, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, who gets the glory. It's the they win, they win the championship, and that's good enough, you know. And so I think that you have to sacrifice some of your individuality to do that. And you know, is Brady getting fed up with that? And of course, we don't know the answer to that, right? And maybe Brady says. You know, I'm the best player ever, and I can, you know, do this without buying into the Patriot way. And maybe he can. But the problem is, is that I think Belichick looks at it and says, you know, I have the rest of the team that needs to buy in. And if the quarterback isn't 100% bought in, then the rest of the team doesn't 100% buy in because that's the best player on the team. And that's the best player ever. And if he's not buying into the system anymore, now why should anybody else buy into the system? And so I think that that's – that's the biggest issue that I would see. And for Belichick, I think he looks at it and says, okay, Brady's getting up there in age. I We have to find – he has to stay committed to what we're doing here. And so that's going to sometimes mean going after him. And maybe, maybe Brady doesn't want him to do that. But, like, that's the way it is. You know, you you have to buy in and you have to show the rest of the team that, you know, you care as much as everybody else and that you are just – another cog in the machine, you know? And so I think that, you know, if Brady's not doing that, well, that certainly could be a sign of, of something, you know, bad coming, but there's been real, no indication that he isn't doing that. Um, You know, I think it seems like Brady and Bill seem to get along pretty well still. I mean, obviously look, I mean, I've been married 10 years and I haven't, you know, I haven't, I've never been in a relationship longer than 10 years. I guess I've been going away 14 years, but I mean, like, I don't know how that, I mean, obviously my family, but that doesn't count. Like beyond that, like I've never experienced something like this. So it's like, you know, from these guys, yeah, it's, they've gone 18 years. They've been together and Belichick's still trying to run the same system and Brady's still doing the same thing. And so of course there's going to be strains here and there, but the question is, will there be full buy-in? And I think there still is from Brady at least, publicly to the team now maybe privately he goes home and he's like God, like, man i can't stand that guy or why do i have to keep doing this but like then he gets out in public and he gets in with his teammates and he does everything he needs to do because he understands in order to win in this system he needs to buy in and like you said brady wants to win belichick wants to win and brady knows that the belichick way is the only way they're going to win because if belichick loses the locker and then they lose it's just they'll no matter how talented their team is you know it's just they have no shot and so um, you know, I think that 
I think both of them will kind of come to that, have come to that realization to say, you know, we both need to buy in no matter what. And, you know, they said there were tension and friction last year. And last year they made it to the Super Bowl and they, you know, almost won the Super Bowl. And they were, right. you know, a Brandon Graham strip sack away from winning the Super Bowl. And so it's like, you know, even though there was supposedly tension last year, which there was apparently, it's what it sounded like, you know, from, from people that were on the inside, it's, you know, it sounds like there was some tension here and there, but like, that's natural. And I think that's going to happen. And so like, it just, it is what it is. I mean, you look at, and, and the other thing too, look at the Warriors, look what happened just last night. Now this, this episode's coming out on Friday. So, you know, this is what Tuesday night or I don't even know, Monday or Tuesday night where, you know, Draymond Green comes off and they're screaming at each other and they're yelling at each other back and forth in the locker room. And he's saying, you know, you're not going to stay here because you're contract and blah, blah, and all this stuff. And they've been together two years. These guys have been together 18 years and it's never come out publicly. There's been anything until last year. And even then it was like rumors, you know? And so it's like, you know, for nothing to have leaked and for things to be this good for 18 years, it just seems like, they're not just going to disintegrate the relationship and say, all right, we're done here. You know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't buy that. Well, I think the genesis of it is that Belichick's practical about how Brady's career is going to end. And Brady isn't because it's him. It's uh, he wants to be the quarterback forever. And so this stuff, which was, you know, reported really well by some guys, especially Tom Curran locally um, about what was really going on uh, and the issues that they had was, you know, this Brady's successor was here, Jimmy Garoppolo. And practically, Belichick looked at it and said, I have a 40-year-old quarterback. How long is this going to last? And to Brady's credit, over the last three or four years, he, I think he outlasted Belichick's project, projection for how long oh, it would be uh, good. 100%. And I think, too, I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff's happened behind closed doors that we don't know about. But I think, you know, I think, Bill tried to trade him last year. They they probably called for Garoppolo, and he said no. And called back and said, "What about Brady?" And they said, "What what are you are you crazy?" You know. And I, maybe there was some discussion. Maybe it didn't even get that far. But I'm sure it came up, and you know, Tom probably heard about it and felt pissed off. And I mean, in in a situation like this, I always say, "There's no one really that's wrong here." You know, Tom's not wrong for getting pissed at Bill for trying to trade him after what he's done for the organization for this long and how good they've been together. Um. Bill wouldn't be wrong for trying to get younger and, you know, Tom's got a limited amount of time left than Jimmy did. And Robert's not wrong for saying, Hey, what the hell? Like, that's basically right. my son. I, I, this kid has made me who I am, you know, like it's, it's a weird situation. And I always say, I'm looking forward to, I hope they do like a 30 for 30 or some kind of documentary about when this whole thing's all done, the dynasty about like everything that went into it and, you know, kind of the stuff that happened behind closed doors, that whole Patriot way. I mean, unless they kind of implement it into the next dynasty, which you want to call it, but I think it'd be really interesting. Well, your best hope is that Belichick writes an autobiography and tells the whole truth. And right. I don't know. I don't know if that happens in terms of him revealing why Malcolm Butler didn't play in the Super Bowl or specifics along those lines. But, uh, I, you know, I, maybe it does come from the Brady angle. I mean, uh, Brady's father said years ago that it will end badly. It always ends badly. And you look around sports, you know, Kobe and Shaq broke up. Uh, we see, mm -hmm. uh, as Pat mentioned, what's happening with the Warriors nowadays. It's, uh, these runs like this between two massively successful, three massively successful men with 
same goals, but also some different goals uh, in terms of what they want for the franchise or different roles anyway. Uh, it's unprecedented, and it's uh, it's the kind of thing that's not supposed to happen. Ultimately, I think it's a tribute to all three guys that it has lasted this long, and you can understand why it would break up. Now, just the, the or why why there would be frustrations at this point in time, but I, I don't think it means it's going to break up anytime soon unless Tom really starts to slip and and uh, you know they're they're still for whatever issues they've had in the past year that were real, they're still in a, a place that most most other teams in the NFL would absolutely envy. Oh yeah, yeah, and well one one interesting thing to think about when they're talking about trading Brady and not not that he was on the same level, okay, but. After they won the Super Bowl, the Patriots traded Drew Bledsoe to a rival, okay, to a rival in the division. Yeah. And so – and they they got a first-round pick back for him. But they traded him to a team in the division, which is crazy. Oh. And, and you know, now, look, anyone that's been a fan since 01 doesn't understand. They don't get it, okay? But someone that's older, that's grew up in New England – like you and me, Chad, we understand. Like we're we look at it and say, in my eyes, Drew Bledsoe is one of the three people that saved this franchise because this franchise was moving to St. Louis. They were gone, you know. And Kraft stepped in and you know bought the stadium and they hired Parcells in '93. And so interest was there and they draft uh, Bledsoe number one and he's a dynamic player that the that the region instantly fell in love with. And those three guys saved this franchise. And so, you know, now this is eight years later, they or nine years later, they trade him to the Bills. But he had just signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. He was the quarterback of the future. And for the foreseeable future, there was no one on the horizon that was coming to take his job. And all of a sudden, he gets hurt, and Brady steps in. Now, Brady's the best player of all time. Obviously, we can see that. He wasn't in 2002. He was a game manager in 2001 for the most part who played some – who made some unbelievable – plays in the Super Bowl and drove drove them down and you know had a lot of mental toughness and all this other stuff but like realistically he wasn't the face of the franchise in 01 right the defense was and so then turn around and trade your you know your franchise quarterback it was almost like a shock to a lot of people that they did that and now here they are in this and again it's not the same situation with Brady but they draft Jimmy G you think Jimmy G is gonna be the guy and Brady was just too good for them to trade him. I mean, I think that was the goal was, okay, the end of his contract is going to come and we're going to trade him away. And he was just too good. You just you couldn't justify trading Brady, so you had to trade Jimmy G. But, like, I think that they should – I think they should do it again. I think they should draft another quarterback in the, in the second or third round and have that guy be the successor. And then if you, you know, if you look at it and say, all right, well – it doesn't work out, then fine. You trade that guy instead. But like, I'm all for Will Greer coming here. Will Greer. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's easier said than done, though. I mean, you look at the guys they right. drafted through the years: Rohan Davey, you know, Kevin O'Connell, uh, guys like who weren't high draft picks, like Matt Castle, probably, uh, you know, probably had the best career out of any of the guys they brought in. Hoyer was a free, uh, undrafted free agent. So it's tough to find that guy, and they found him. Right. And the miracle was uh, the Brady outlasted him. And uh, I don't know if it's, it's so easy to go out and find a guy who's got the uh, the profile of Jimmy G again in the second or third round, but it's kind of what they have to do at this point. A lot of people thought they might take Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round this year. They passed him up. 
Uh, a lot of people thought they liked Baker Mayfield and were trying to move up to get him, and you can see why they might have wanted to do that without his career started. But, uh, right. boy, it's just it's tough to identify who that guy is going to be. You've you got to be probably more lucky than good to find a quarterback beyond, you know, that top pick in the draft. It's funny, you're talking about that 2001 season with Ian Tomlinson. You know, Drew Brees was their second-round pick that year, the, the Chargers' yeah. second-round pick they they, uh, they they had the number one and traded what would have been Michael Vick to the Falcons and ended up with Tomlinson and Breeze. So that has to rate as one of the best drafts in history. But finding a finding another quarterback now for the Patriots, you know, Kyle Oleather was another one they thought might end up here this year. And, uh, you know, he seems to be maybe not the best character guy the way he's started the Giants. So, yeah. you know, maybe it's somebody like Will Greer. Who knows? Maybe they see somebody who's a junior or sophomore this year that they really like down the road. But, uh What's obvious is they've got to find that guy pretty soon because he's not on the roster at the moment. And the the, the starter is, uh, you know, 10 years beyond where a lot of quarterbacks start to lose their ability. Right. No, it's true. And, and so he really is, you know, uh, he just – it's never happened before. It just hasn't happened before. And I think – so I wrote an article about this last – in the summer, and I think at 41, Warren Moon – was the MVP of the uh, of the Pro Bowl in in, four, in at at age forty one, and he was a, he was good. He had a solid year. Yeah, like twenty five touchdowns or something. Right, and then at forty two, he was he was junk, and so nobody's ever done it at forty two. Someone, you know, one or two guys have done it at forty one. Nobody's ever done it at forty two. So next year was going to be is going to be unprecedented for him to even be like a respectable starting quarterback, never mind one of the top right. five guys in the NFL. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, if anyone could do it, it's him, but like, it's just, he is, you know, he's going against father time right now. So, uh, so we'll see Rob Parker eventually might, you know, might claim victory eventually 15 years later, but you know, so, <laughs> but Anyways, I I think that's all we got, Chad. I mean, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, Chad. I really appreciate it. Uh, taking the time out of your day to to join our show. Um, still still early on in it, and uh, one of our top guests so far. So once again, thank you so much, and big fan of your work. No, I appreciate it. Uh, glad to do it. It was fun, and uh, give me a shout anytime. Glad to talk to you guys. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. Listen, before we let you go, why don't you just tell you know tell the people that are listening where they can interact with you, where, where they can read your stuff, and and so on. Uh, BostonGlobe.com online. Uh, you, uh, we're always happy to have more subscribers there, and uh, my work also is on Boston.com, which is uh, the free site. So uh, I write about uh, write about the Patriots a couple times a week. Write about uh, whatever's going on in Boston sports, and I write a sports media column on uh, Fridays. So uh, I'm, I'm out there almost every day. So I appreciate anybody who wants to check that stuff out. Yeah. There's some, uh, some interesting news, which you, which you already dropped on Twitter, obviously. Um, this is now we're recording just a little peek behind the curtain here it's coming out Friday, but we're recording Wednesday night. Um, you know, you dropped the minute hand news. And so I assume that column's coming out uh, today on Friday, right? Uh, that column is already out and posted. That's right. Oh, yeah. So I got that go. baby out before they could announce it. So beat him to the oh, wow. Good for you. Look <laughs> at that. A little breaking news there. So that's great. So that's going to be – that's obviously an interesting one to follow. And anyone's looking for more information on that, you know, definitely you should be following Chad. And it's fascinating situation what happened over there. So um, – but you're on top of it. So 
never a dull moment. No, certainly is not. Certainly is not. It's probably a good thing. I mean, good job security. So, all right. Well, thanks, Chad. I appreciate it, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. All right. Big thanks to Chad Finn for coming on. That was a really cool interview. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, two kind of interesting questions there. You know, about the rival question. That one's kind of. That one's kind of been one that's an interesting one for me, and and I thought he brought it up, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. We can avoid talking about about the terrible Patriots game and talk about a really interesting subject. And obviously, you know, you had the, you had the Brady Belichick friction stuff uh, that I thought you know is relevant again all of a sudden. Um, you know, and I think you're right to to kind of question what's going on over there. So uh, certainly an interesting question to 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 look at. You know, definitely, definitely, that yeah, was a good interview. Um, yeah. Always, you know, bye week, eh, shitty game, eh, kind of much better than I thought it would go. Put it that way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So he's a good, uh, he's a good follow. And again, you know, read his stuff. He had an especially good one uh, in Boston Magazine. Can't comes with the Globe. Had a little, you know, a little quote from me in it. No big deal. But, um, but it was cool. It was all about kind of getting set up for the Patriots games and, you know, what you should do to get there and what you should tailgate and what you should bring and, so it was, uh, it was interesting. He covers all the bases. So he's does a really nice job. And as I said, you know, at the end of the, that interview, he's all over this Kirk Minahan stuff. And that, you know, that's interesting news for anyone that listens to EI or anyone that likes him or dislikes him. Uh, you know, it's definitely interesting news. So, um, so he's all over that. And I think he got, you heard him say, he got the article out before they even announced it. So uh, he was all over it. So, so, but uh, let's get into just our one segment and then, We'll get you guys out of here. We have our up high, down low, too slow. And I'll be honest with you, we found it difficult to come up with the with the up high guys here. Oh, for and sure. Difficult to, to trim it to only five for down low. So um, up high, uh, number one has got to be J-Mac, Jason McCourty. He's been on the wrong side of this list a few times, but uh, he was targeted five times, only gave up one completion uh, on Sunday. And so he was one of those kind of bright spots from the secondary uh, there weren't many of them, but but he was uh, he was one of the bright spots. I yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's he's had some tough weeks. Definitely been inconsistent, but so is the whole defense. But I thought he looked good. You know, um, if you take away which we'll get to, it's tough to put him on the down low. You know, the Gilmore Davis matchup. If you kind of limit that, they're probably in that game. Um, right. That was kind of really where they got beat offensively, especially early in the game. Um, but yeah, I thought he played well, uh, moving on to our next guy up high, James Devlin, uh, first carry since 2014, went for the only touchdown of the game for the Pats. Um, you know, I'm a big Devlin guy. I think a lot of the stuff he does kind of goes unnoticed. Great blocker. Um, you know, Michelle commented on it early in the year when he was having a success of how much easier he's made his job. And, you know, you, you appreciate guys like that. It'll, you know, they know their role. They're not looking for carries. They, you know, he, he's just a true patriot. And, and it was good to see him get some, get some celebration time in there with the, with the guys. Oh yeah. And it was a big, it was a big boy celebration because oh, yeah. scores the touchdown and he gives it to Andrews and Andrews spikes it. And I'm like, Oh man, this makes the old school football guys like Bill Parcells it makes them, makes them all tingly. So uh, it's interesting. You mentioned Michelle because Michelle is the next guy on the up high list. He didn't play great. He did not play well. I mean, let's let's be let's be clear here. The Patriots did not run the ball very often either, so it's not 100 percent his fault. The only kind only called 19 run plays. Now again, they were down for some of the game, but they didn't run consistently. Um, however, J. 
just seeing him back out there was nice and did have some of that, a little bit of that explosiveness. He didn't look quite as good as he did, you know, earlier on before he got hurt. But again, just him being out there, I think was important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we talked about a little bit with Gasper last week that, you know, they, we kind of expected them to kind of ease their way into it, especially with the bye coming up. So it's good to get his feet wet again. It's been a couple weeks, you know, give him this. I'm sure he's a little banged up, um, you know, whether it is the knee or just the body, just from playing again, give him the week off. And, you know, once after the bye week, you know, get back in a stride and keep doing what he's doing. All right. Yep. Uh, next on the list is Patriots fans in Nashville. Let me tell you, man. You can I attest like for that, Pat. Boston. You can attest I felt like that. I was in Boston all week. It was crazy. Everywhere I went, Patriots fans. Everywhere. My they buddy lived down there. Patriots shirts. It was nuts. My buddy lived down there, went to, you know, he's texting me all week, and he's like, dude, I, and he's a New York fan, and uh, moved down there for work after he graduated. And he's like, dude, I could move millions of miles away, and I can't get away from Boston. I cannot stand it because he's a huge New York fan. I'm like, well, that's yep. we're one of a kind, man. Yeah, it was nuts. Now, I will tell you the experience I had in stadium, probably the worst in-stadium experience I've ever had at a game. And, and not, not a lot of it. I mean, clearly it was a terrible game. But the people in my section, which were all Patriots fans, they would, there was one group of people that had 93 tickets. They had all bought tickets in the same section, and they just didn't care at all about the game. They were talking. They were up and down. They were laughing. They were – it was like nonstop. It was driving me nuts. So I'm up there screaming at the team and yelling at, you know, Brady because he's playing terrible and, you know, yelling at McDaniels and Belichick. And everyone was looking at me like, this guy is crazy. And I'm like, why are you – we're getting killed by the Titans. Like you're just you're not upset about this, and people are like yeah, I'm just, I, it was driving me nuts. So that was the one thing in stadium, not great, but I'll tell you what, man, Nashville was like Boston South. It was it was crazy. So uh, so you know, good on that. I'll tell you what, we went out to the bar after after the game, and I'm sitting at the bar. It was Jason Aldean's bar, which was kind of funny. I'm like, oh, it's just like Toby. Oh, that's pretty anyway. cool. Yeah, they had a uh, they had the sweet little um, roof deck. I feel like all of these places have roof decks, but it was a sweet little roof deck. And it was all Boston people. Like everywhere I looked was all Boston fans. It was wild. I was like, oh my God, this entire bar. It's like a bar in Boston. It was nuts. So um, yeah, so they, they were everywhere this weekend. So, uh, and then the last one here is outside of Dwayne Allen. No one got hurt. Dwayne Allen is yeah. irrelevant. So whatever. Yeah, um, they, but- um, I think it was Rich um, commented, you know, they don't throw him the ball much. So if it is significant, I know they said no surgery, but maybe a couple weeks. They might just right. throw Lee Adrian Waddle in there or Matt Tolden, someone that can, you right. know, get outside and block. Um, Cause that's all really he did. So it's not like, you know, it's a, it's a major piece in their offense, but he does do the little things. Like I said, the blocking, sometimes he goes unnoticed too, but definitely replaceable at least for a couple of weeks. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, I think for me personally, you look at it and just say, you know, <clears throat> when you get embarrassed like that in a game, you just want no one to really get seriously hurt. And that's – they walked away without anyone getting seriously hurt. And so that's got to be a plus. And like, like I said, we just – we we don't have – we don't have many. So that's that's the last one. Yeah. Uh, down low, I mean, geez, where do I start? I, I will start – I'm going to start with Pat Chung. He missed multiple easy tackles in the open field. You know, was a step slow on a few plays. He just – he didn't look good. He did not look good. They no, ran on. It was it the, was ugly. the whole secondary man. It looked like I said. It looked like they had already checked into their suites. 
for the bye week. They just look disinterested, especially on defense. Um, down low, next guy, Dwayne Allen. I know we talked about him. Pretty useless in the passing game. Allowed three hurries and 14 snaps in offense. Um, doesn't catch the ball. Overpaid. Um, but, you know, if he can block, great. But if that's all he's doing right now, um, <clears throat> you know, be good at it at least. And they couldn't get the run game going, obviously, because right. Michelle was on a snap count. And they were playing from behind right from the get-go. So, I mean, it was tough. But, yeah, um, and I'll let you take the next down low, and um, I can kind of touch upon the next one because it might shock some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's Josh McDaniels. Let me tell you something about Josh McDaniels. That may have been the worst game plan I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I don't know, anybody. man. It was embarrassing. And Go ahead. Here it comes. Here comes uh, the rant. Here it comes. The Titans. The Titans had, going into last week, statistically the worst cornerback in the NFL. Malcolm Butler was statistically the worst corner in the NFL. He was on the field for 51 out of 66 snaps. 51 out of 66 snaps. They targeted his receiver twice, two times. You test the worst corner in the NFL two times? What are you doing? I understand he was covering Hogan, and and good job, honestly, by Vrabel to, to say, okay, screw it. We're going to put him on Hogan because I know you're not going to throw to Hogan anyways. But you have to look at that and say, okay, let's make an adjustment here. Let's now throw the ball to Hogan since Butler's covering him. Hogan beat him multiple times, and Brady would never even look at him. Now, maybe that's on Brady, and maybe that's on the offensive line for not giving him enough time. So, great. Then McDaniels goes to the other side and says, okay, our number one read on this play is now Hogan because he's being covered by, by Butler, and we think he can be Butler, and so we're going to challenge Butler. Instead of continuing to throw the ball to flipping Josh Gordon when he's covered by Adoree Jackson, and Adoree Jackson had a great game and covered him extremely well. The long pass he caught, he was being covered by a linebacker. I think it was in cover two, so the linebacker was following him. It was just like, it just didn't work. It didn't work, and for them to not have looked at it and for them to not have changed the game plan, it was just, it was embarrassing. And, you know, there was a point, I'm not sure what the score was, but they came out, they got James White in, in first down. They throw the ball incomplete on first down. Then they take White out. They bring in Michelle and Devlin. And I'm like, oh, here comes a run for one yard. They run one yard, third and nine. Devlin and Michelle come out. James White goes back in. I'm like, oh, here comes a pass. He sacked. It was just like, what are we doing? Like, everyone knows what's going on. I can tell you what play they're running. If I could tell you what play they're running, then you damn well you damn well know that the other team could t- can tell what play they're running. So it was just it's frustrating. I'm fed up with with the way McDaniel's has been has been coordinating. I know Chad was talking about it earlier about he's a good go between between Belichick and Brady, and I'm sure he is. But some of his play calling has just been brutal. And so uh, yeah, I agree with done. you, Pat. But um, man, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, you touched upon all of it. I don't even want to get into it. Um, but we can kind of <laughs> go to the next guy, which might be a little shocking. Down low, Tom Brady. Um, read a stat today. He is ranked last in the league, 59.7 passer rating under the blitz this season, which is absolutely unheard of, um, especially of a player of his caliber and how well he's been able right. to read a defense and just looks out of sync everything. And it kind of just goes down the totem pole. Is him and Bill on the same page? Are they talking? Is Brady disinterested? Can he go to if he went to OTAs, would he be this bad? I mean, he's got one touchdown pass in the last three games, and the only one was looked like it should have went to Julian Edelman. 
and he overthrew right. him and Josh Gordon happened to be there and, and ran into the house. So something's wrong there. And he's throwing knuckleballs downfield. He doesn't look like Tom Brady. And I hope, you know, the comeback kid will prove everyone wrong. He'll prove me wrong. I'm not getting on him. But after a game like that, um, you know, it, it's just been – he just wasn't good. I mean, the the offensive line sucked. It was terrible. He, he was getting blitzed all game long. I don't blame him. If you're that bad under pressure, why not pressure him? Right. Well, I agree with you. And that's that's one of those things, man. It, the the um, Yeah, he just – he's been awful. He's been terrible. And, and you know, you, you go back to it and you kind of fall into these same traps – and I feel like not not in 07, but certainly in 09, I feel like he had Randy Mossitis and he was just throwing him off. Didn't matter if he was open, he was just throwing to him. And so I think that that was a real issue uh, for him. And he's fallen back into that. I mean, he threw 27 passes to wide receivers. 24 of them were to Edelman and Gordon. They each had 12 targets. So that means he he had three passes total. The Dorsett and Hogan. That's not enough. Hogan was on the field for 54 snaps and got zero targets. And, and again, this comes back to McDaniels. You're going to play Hogan 54 snaps and not even throwing the ball. Just don't even put him on the field. Put, put Dorsett on the field. If you don't want Hogan out there, fine. But if you if you think Hogan can make a difference then maybe Brady's the reason he's not getting the ball. And so yeah. you have to sit Brady down and be like, dude, what are you doing? I get it. I understand. You think Gordon and Elmy are two best receivers, and they probably are. But Hogan's getting the third best corner on the team. you got to trust that he can beat that guy. And he has trusted him in the past. So I don't know why he's not trusting him all of a sudden. So that one, to me, is strange. Now, maybe he gets Gronk back and he's different. I don't know. But he he was he was really bad on Sunday. Yeah, um, I agree. And a lot. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that that was it. Go ahead. I already okay. touched upon Brady. So, uh, so down last down low is the special teams. Just the special teams in general. The game starts off with a long kick return. They had a long punt return. You know, the special teams have been terrible. They're down near the bottom of the league in kick return and punt return coverage. Kick coverage at 31st in the league. Punt coverage. Uh, I'm sorry. Punt coverage at 31st in the league. Kick coverage at 29th in the league. So you just can't do that. And Belichick is is better than that. His teams are always good on special teams. And this team has been putrid on special, not just bad. They've been terrible on special teams. And that's something that, you know, is really not indicative of what they've done. Um, they, they just brought in that guy, uh, uh, Ramon, uh, Ramon, I think Ramon, uh, Humbar. He played with the saints. He's a special teams guy. Yeah, he was with the bills, I think as of recent and was with the Pats in 2016, I think. Oh, you're right. You know what? You're right. He was. I think he's bounced around. He was with the Saints for a while. So he's a guy that is a special teams guy. So maybe they're just saying, okay, we got to get some of these special teams guys out of here because they're not doing the job. And so let's bring in some guys that will do what they're supposed to do on special teams. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. But, man, that's just, you know, it's not great. And I also thought, too, special teams-wise, Belichick, at the end of the first half, had a shot to kick a long field goal with, with Kostowski and decided not to. And I didn't get it. I, I just didn't understand it. I know you're down 14, but you just you had a better. I know it was like a 59 yard kick. You had a better shot at kicking the field goal than you did at throwing a touchdown on the on the last play of the game. It just it did, or on the last play of the half it didn't make any sense to me. So that was a you know that's more of a decision thing, but it involves special teams. So 
I was just, I was surprised. Yeah. And, and so, a lot of it too, like Cordero Patterson's <clears> been <throat> decent at times, but the return game hasn't been great. I think I question him sometimes takes the ball out of the end zone. Sometimes can't get past 25. Um, right. You know, they didn't have Slater, so that that um that that hurt them. And I noticed Chris Hogan got a couple special team snaps, and he looked terrible, looked so out of place. <laughs> uh, actually, on the opening kickoff, um, he I think he got his ankles broke or something. It just looked terrible. Um, ended up being a, a big gain, obviously, just to start off the game and then got burnt on a punt. Um, so, I mean, missing Slater back there hurts him. Um, but, right. yeah, it was, it was bad top to bottom. And they got to figure it out because – Bill always says special teams is, is a big part of football, and not a lot of teams understand that. And the Patriots are usually very good on that, and they haven't been too consistent, really, in any three phases of the game, but special teams too. They deserve to be right. uh, knacked at a little bit. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, then our two slow this week is Stephon Gilmore. And we talked about it, man. He he got smoked all day by Corey Davis. Davis had a huge game. Uh, you know, he had a touchdown. I think it was seven for 125. Now, not all of that was against Gilmore, but – you know, the general point is there. Gilmore was a step slow on pretty much every throw to Davis. Yeah. Um, you know, on the touchdown catch, he tackled him. Davis still caught the ball. Uh, he just – he was he was rough. And he had looked like an elite corner the last few weeks. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, he did not look like an elite corner on Sunday. And no, so, no. Um, you know, I don't know. No, maybe it's a Corey Davis matchup. I'm not sure. Davis. They did say Patriots. he was – he might have been a little sick, like you said. Um, a right. little bit of illness, right. sniffling a little bit in the locker room. I mean, no excuse, but he's been great. No, but, so, I mean, I, we'll give him a right. pass. So that's, but he didn't exactly. That's why he's not on my down low. That's why he's on my too slow. Uh, that's why he's on a too slow instead of the down low. You know what I mean? But yeah. But um, I don't know if it's a Corey Davis thing. Corey Davis played the Patriots and had two touchdowns in in the playoffs. Now, he's had one or two big games, but not, he really has done nothing outside of the game in the playoffs last year. And this game, he had one huge game earlier in the season. Beyond that, he's had like three big games in his career, and two of them have been against the Patriots. So uh, it's a little weird that that's it just kind of popped up that way. But uh, who knows? It might just be a fluke, but it just seemed like a strange kind of matchup situation there. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, that's it. That's all we got. Um, as we said, man, next week it's going to be a huge week. Big thanks to Chad Finn for coming on. Uh, Chad, you know, great writer. Really fun to talk to, uh, and it had some really we had some really interesting conversations um, about it, especially when we're just trying to avoid. It was nice. We're trying to avoid, you know, the uh, the game, and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect." Chad wrote this this really sweet article, and so we can talk about it. So it worked out. Um, but we uh, we have an interesting show next week. We have a little just just we won't tell you who it is, but we have a little book review. Um, we'll be talking with with the with the author of a book next week and so uh so that that should be an interesting one so make sure you make sure you tune in next friday but we appreciate you guys listening and spags as always my man uh appreciate you man and we'll and i'll talk to you next week absolutely thanks guys and uh patty i'll talk to you soon
I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.